Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Paperbell. It's a new tool that powers your online coaching business. Paperbell handles your payments, your appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and much more. You can get started with a free account at paperbell.com forward slash podcast. That's paperbell.com forward slash podcast. Let's get into the show. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm here with Jordan White. Jordan White Coaching. He is a Colorado native, so I'm excited about that. And he is an avowed introvert, experienced leader, and a self-leadership coach. I'm interested even that title alone, Jordan. I can't wait to ask you more questions around that. Uh, so if you are, uh, as we say, inward, radically humble, cerebral, quiet, or an introvert, then this podcast is for you and also for the rest of us extroverts to tap into the mind of the introvert. So without further ado, Jordan White, thank you so much for being on the coaching podcast. Emma, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and uh, look forward to our conversation together. Awesome. Well, the first question, you have listened to the show, so you do know it. It is, of course, the Vegemite question, the Australian spread. So it's a stacked question for you. Have you been to Australia and have you tried Vegemite? Never been to Australia. It is absolutely on the list. Uh, so I'll be sure to get some pointers from you uh, when that time comes. But uh, I haven't tried it. I have not. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough, because you haven't been there yet. Uh, so let's go pineapple on a pizza. You either love it or you hate it. What, what's your take on pineapple on a pizza? You know, I don't mind it. I you don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I I have pineapple on my pizza. I've done it before. So <laughs> <laughs> fruit on a pizza. All right. Well, you heard it here. So because you answered that way, Jordan, could you share a coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson or two for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I uh, I was talking with someone recently. I was actually just uh, doing some research on you know what was really helpful about our our time together and you know just her shift from coming overcoming just debilitating stress that was causing so much just struggle and trouble in not only her, her professional life but obviously her, her personal life um overcoming that was just such a beautiful thing to like listen and like see her like talk about because you could just tell how true that was for her so um I guess I would say the lesson learned is, you know, just kind of being present with people and helping them like stick to what they are truly after and like making sure that when you are setting that agreement or that goal, that you kind of dig under the layers a little bit to help them understand like what, what might happen if you do achieve this goal and what might life look like for you once you get there. So um, I'd say that's probably my example I'd, I'd want to share there. Yeah, great questions already. 
and digging beneath the surface uh, so important. And when you're present, it's so much easier to do, isn't it? So I love I love that story. And I also love, I think my listeners might have picked up on it already. I love that you did research. <laughs> I know that's something I've read through your bio and your notes. It's something that's very important to you. So I'm looking forward to, to asking you more about that later as well. All right, what about on the flip side? Can you share with us a coaching moment that didn't go well and might, what might be a lesson or two? Sure. Yeah, I think just as a you know a natural empath, I it can be challenging to see you know people on the other side just really struggling with something or um, you know kind of going through something that you kind of feel like you might have a solution or an answer for, but you know they're just kind of stuck. And I've had challenges with yeah, I guess like kind of gauging where you know you kind of interject and offer to be there and offer advice. And of course, as a coach, right? Like I, it's kind of rarely I do that. There's probably more power than we know in just being there for someone. And, you know, sometimes it's not about having the answer more than it is just being there and being supportive and understanding that, yeah, like sometimes we struggle in life and that's part of the human experience. It's, it again, comes back to even when you were talking about your best coaching moment, sometimes when we ask our clients as well, what was most powerful for them? God, it was just great to be able to have this authentic chat and just say whatever I wanted to say to you. And I was like, oh, but I felt like I didn't provide you with any value. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I totally could relate to that as well. And uh, yeah, definitely wanting to help people. Empathy is definitely one of my, uh, my strengths is, yeah, uh, and I think as a coach, it is such an important skill. It, it, in all my research of uh, the the great coaching question, um, empathy sits at number five of top responses. Yes. So I, I think that's super, super important. All right. What about our sliding doors question? So I think you know it. Do you know it? Are you ready to take <laughs> it away? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds good. So um, I think this was kind of prior to I, I guess my career you know my corporate career I know we were talking a little bit before the podcast started um that I have an athletic background I had a lot of momentum uh for going for me going into college as a basketball player earned a scholarship um and uh yeah I was excited to kind of step into that next part of my athletic career and uh unfortunately I suffered a, a pretty bad knee injury my freshman year uh, like halfway through the season. Yeah, it, it was discouraging, kind of went into a pretty dark place and um, even had, you know, kind of some encouragement from friends and family to maybe, you know, kind of give up basketball and maybe this is like not the the path that you were meant to go down. And I just didn't really sit well with me. Um, so I decided that I was going to put everything I had into recovering and recouping. And so I took a year off and, you know, obviously did that and uh, was able to recover and ended up earning, you know, obviously that, that position back on the team and also another scholarship to a second school after the junior college that I was originally at. So I think, um, you know, as an athlete, I'd imagine you'd agree that, you know, we learn to push ourselves way beyond you know, the limits that I, I think uh, a lot of people who may not have an athletic background or um, may not, uh, I guess, like kind of follow that path, 
realize as far as like physically, right? Like, of course, people work hard in, in their lives, but um, but yeah, just ultimately stayed focused on the outcome and um, realized that there'd be obstacles around, along the way. But that was probably a big, you know, kind of learning lesson for me that's taken in there, that's followed me into, you know, my career, my coaching, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely injuries is tough to overcome, aren't they? That the mm. um, when your backs up against the wall, I've, I've dealt with a number of clients over the years where helping them just through that through that phase, when you know yeah. even with a coaching session, what do you want to work on today? I don't know. You know, I'm injured. Like yeah. <laughs> I go to rehab, I get up, I go to rehab, I go get up, go to rehab. That's it. So exactly. you know, working on those other areas relating to purpose, I think is, is important as well. So um, no, I, I love that. All right. Time for our guiding question, Jordan. It is in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach? I'm super excited to share one of our new sponsors is Paperbell. It's a new tool that powers your online coaching business. If you're anything like me, you probably don't enjoy the boring administration stuff. Paperbell handles all your payments, your appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and much more. You can get started with a free account today at paperbell.com forward slash podcast. Love it. Yeah, so I thought of three words specifically. So I think a great coach is present, um, is a great listener, and is a great question asker. Can you say the first one again? Uh, is, is present. And can you now expand on each of those for us? Yeah, I'd love to. And I think with, like, I really believe they kind of mix and intermingle together. You know, so like by being present, I mean, we are able to create impactful lasting development um, that's directly connected, you know, with the presence that we offer the relationship. I mean, people are going to pick up on if you're kind of not there, right? And if you're thinking about something else or, and uh, of course we're human. I mean, we, we have our good days and not so good days, but um, I think, you know, with being present, it also encourages people to do the same. So they're kind of invited to maybe look at things a bit differently or look at things a little more consciously. I mean, 90% of our thoughts are habitual. So I, uh, I just, I kind of get curious about like, what are the consequences of that, of just like kind of habitual same thinking and wondering why the same thing's happening. Um, and I, I really feel like there's a connection between that and, and being present. Um, and moving on to, I guess, listening, actually, was uh, having a conversation with a with actually another podcast uh, host, and we were talking about the styles of listening. There was a, a recent article on on Harvard Business Review, and um, they talked about there's four different styles of listening. So there's analytical, um, and that type of listener aims to analyze a problem uh, from a neutral starting point. And there's a relational listener, so they aim to build connection and understand the emotions of underlying of the underlying message which i think i connect with the most uh, to be honest with you um there's a critical listener uh, so they aim to judge both the content of the conversation and the reliability of the speaker and lastly there's a task focused listener uh, so they uh, work on shapes uh, shaping a conversation towards efficient transfer of a, of important uh, information. 
Um, so ultimately, I just believe the better you listen, you know, the more you're going to expand the space uh, to reveal what really matters and find that, you know, conversations be become more efficient, more effective, um, and build trust along the way. And you also learn more when you listen. <laughs> um, yeah. And then lastly, uh, yeah, question asker. I think, um, you know, a well-timed and relevant question actually confirms that you are listening and that you are present. You're in that moment with the client. Um, so I think questions help that help people know kind of learn more about themselves objectively and without shame without judgment that's when like real transformation happens and when they really get invited to maybe think about something a little bit differently and grow and you know kind of um, adjust their thinking and um i think like we talked about earlier too i mean asking more than just the surface level questions too and like kind of not taking just that first first answer for full truth right like there's usually a story behind the story and then a story behind that story etc so um yeah but i think that's uh kind of sums up the three different uh words sums it up very well it's uh just remind me of that line where shrek tells uh donkey you know ogres are just like onions they have lots and lots of layers yes. you know as humans <laughs> we have so many layers don't we and yeah. what we the surface structure of what we say is often not how we feel and I think that's you know what a great coach can listening it's not just to the words it's listen to the body listen mm. to the tone listen to whether there's alignment so there's so many beautiful skills in that and thanks for sharing those those four different uh, listening styles I'll have to um, check those out for sure but I think yeah. you know trust you hit the Keyword there, trust is huge, isn't it? Especially in the leadership space, which I'm sure we'll explore that post our, our regular questions. So our final question is, of course, where we ask you to ask us a question. So what sparks Jordan's curiosity? Yeah, I love that. I think um, when I think about people who you know, have found what seems to be uh, their path or kind of their calling, what really inspires them, you know, I. I just love asking the question, like, what got you there? Like, what, like, led you down that path? And, you know, what do you hope is the outcome of your passion? So that's uh, something I get really curious about when I see people who are, um, you know, really having an impact in the world and really, you know, wh whether they're in a leadership position, a coaching role, or, you know, just doing something um, for the, the community or just doing something with passion, because I, I really feel like you can feel that you know when when people have a uh, quote-unquote figured out <laughs> yeah so let's stay on that topic Jordan I'd love to know if you could share how you discovered that there is a niche in the coaching marketplace for helping introverted leaders and yeah this passion your, your passion around that so how did you discover those two things yeah I think they, they kind of mesh together so as I um, was in my corporate role. So I come, I come from a financial background and um, during my time as a, as a supervisor there, as a contact center supervisor for um, almost seven years. And during that time, I actually discovered Myers-Briggs, like part of the onboarding process of becoming an employee at the, the organization I worked for was taking the, the Myers-Briggs. 
And um, that's when I learned <laughs> uh, what introversion actually was and how big of a part that of, a, of that, that that was of me. And um, I really just started to embrace it. I feel like that day, you know, cause I had grown up just kind of thinking something was wrong with me. Like I'd, you know, I'd rather like kind of hang out with a couple of friends versus go out and be busy all the time. And, you know, I didn't mind like sitting down and reading a book versus going out and having a drink or, you know, just all of those things along the way that, you know, kind of naturally um, happen thinking in kind of an extroverted world. Right. So, um, and then of course I, I came across Susan Cain's work, her, her book, Quiet and uh, her Ted talk. And that was a, you know, a huge inspiration for me to really continue to go down the path of just like truly, it was a real, I think, shift of just self-acceptance and actually seeing in my introversion as a gift. And, um, so that's really where the passion comes and, you know, kind of like you said, there's there's so many introverted leaders out there that are either not necessarily embracing that that's their natural state of being or feel like they have to be someone different to be successful as a leader. And that's just not true. Like, it's just not the case. Um, so I love working with people who obviously I can relate to as, a, as another introvert and find some... Uh, just contentment and um, self-acceptance and um, passion behind who they are at their core and finding the ways to align that with how they're leading people and how they're leading and influencing within their organizations. It may not be as loud or it may not be as, you know, kind of gregarious and out there, but there's still impact that can happen from people with you know, this preference. So uh, that's what I'm really passionate about and love helping people that I can obviously relate to. And hopefully, you know, they relate to me. Yeah, I, I love that. And I definitely dated an introvert once and quiet saved that relationship for a short <laughs> period of time. But that was a book that I, <laughs> she gave it to me. And she said, you need to read this. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, uh, yeah, uh, now I understand so much more. Uh, so yeah, and I do find that people get promoted in the workplace when they've got the loudest voice, and that is such a shame that sometimes that that happens because it doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at managing people either. So, uh, yeah, no, I think they're two great, um, great book and also, yeah, the, the, the TED Talk. Uh, go and check it out if you haven't already, and I'm a big Myers-Briggs fan as well. So it was the first personality profiling I did and I love that book on how to coach the the different personality types mm -hmm. um super important so what what's your go-to tip for say managers maybe listening to this podcast when they are one of their team members is introvert and they're they've got all this great information in their brain but they're not sharing in a meeting or um what tips you know what are some of your top coaching tips to help bring that out in these uh introverted styles yeah. Love that question. Yeah, I think just getting curious about, you know, what's happening, right? Like inside their mind, because as introverts, we process so much internally and that's where we gain like our energy. So it may be, it may seem, you know, like an introvert is maybe disconnected or um, not really present or engaged, but what's really happening is there's a whole 
world of ideas and connections and um, possibilities happening, most likely, not maybe not for everyone, but um, from my experience. Um, so yeah, I'd say, you know, if you're leading an introverted person, um, you know, making sure that you are setting some time to connect with them one-on-one, -on -one, that can be really powerful. And, you know, like making space in your meetings. You know, like if you're, if you're noticing, it kind of goes back to being present, right? Like if you're noticing that two or three people are kind of running the meeting and um, speaking the most, maybe just kind of step in like, hey, can we, I'd love to hear what so-and-so has to say. Do you mind, you know, kind of creating some space for that? Um, also, I'd say like, think about how your workplaces are kind of set up, like your work areas. I know most of us or a lot of us are in a virtual environment now. Um, but yeah, just making sure that there is an area for someone to step aside and maybe think quietly and process something and uh, think about it. So those are a few tips I think that are helpful. Um, but yeah, I think the one on the one on one time and just asking what your introverted person is thinking uh, can can open up just so much opportunity and connection, especially in the virtual world where you've got all these faces on the screen and somebody says, right, well, are there any questions or just who wants to share? That's not going to work. Just those two comments alone is not going right. to be the right space for opening up that, that sharing opportunity. So finding creative ways to do that. And the breakout rooms are so easy these days, aren't they? So, uh, so I love that. So let's wind back the clock uh, off air pre pre-show. You said that your dad and your granddad were uh, football coaches as in NFL for my Aussie listeners. Uh, I'm assuming NFL football could be. Yeah, fo yes, <laughs> yeah, American football. football. <laughs> American, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what was that like? I'm curious from a, a coaching standpoint, talk to me about, you know, did they coach you and their style of coaching with you uh, and the team and the way, and then compare that to how you coach today? Yeah, that's cool. I haven't necessarily thought about like the connection. So I'm so happy you asked. Um, but yeah, like, growing up, you know, with both my grandfather and dad, you know, being very passionate about, you know, coaching and, um, you know, I, I took a lot of that in, you know, as a kid and, you know, kind of, I would go to practice and kind of watch them, how they navigated, what they were focusing on. And, um, you know, when they were, taking the time to take a kid aside and like kind of talk to them. So there's, you know, so many little nuances to um, effective coaching through, uh, through sports. And yeah, so I grew up watching a lot of football and um, playing, of course. And my, my dad actually coached me in a couple of my little league, a moment where I thought, you know, once that happened, I was going to kind of maybe be like, get away with stuff or, <laughs> um, you know, I kind of have some favoritism, but that was not the case. It was like the exact opposite. Like my dad obviously knew what I was capable of and what he uh, wanted to bring out of me. So he was likely even harder on me than, than most. Um, but all stuff I'm grateful for, I, I think, as you likely know, I mean, and agree with that, there's so many lessons in sports that are transferable into the corporate world, into you know, just everyday life, you know, between teamwork, working with different personalities and um, obviously working towards a common goal, 
doing things effectively, finding the best ways to make use of your tools, you know, like your people on your team. So um, there's so much I, I'd say I've learned that has kind of transitioned into how I've led in the corporate world. And then, you know, like when I've shifted from that, a lot of people assumed because of my parents or my, my dad and my grandfather that I was moving into and played basketball in college that I was moving into like athletic coaching. Um, so I've had to have that conversation a few times, like, no, there's a little bit of a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say kind of the main difference is less directing and less telling people how to do it, much less of that, of course, um, and more so kind of just being there and guiding as needed. Do you think that the sports world is evolving and embracing a little bit more of the business coaching, leadership coaching style these days. I mean, I'm definitely starting to see it in AFL football, the way they used to coach, you know, give the team a big spray versus pulling people aside, having more individualised comments. Do you think that the sports world is starting to embrace that a little more? Uh, From what I've observed, I mean, I, I can't remember the, the coach's name of the Celtics, the Boston Celtics, but I think he was like a kind of a component of that, right? Like more so really just being there, like kind of that emotionally intelligent coach that, you know, was kind of noticing when people were at their best, when people were not so much at their best and how to kind of get them pulled back up into their best. And I mean, Phil Jackson is one of my all-time favorite coaches. And I think he had like a whole, you know, like kind of Eastern philosophy to him, right? And I think there's, depending on how you coach, like definitely some some intermixing there. Um, but yeah, I've heard you talk about Ted Lasso as well. And I think that's like kind of put um, some more awareness on the map of like how you can actually turn a team around by taking some of the principles of, you know, life coaching, leadership coaching, et cetera, and bring that into uh, sports coaching. So, yeah, I think there's a shift starting to happen, and um, I hope it continues to to head in that direction as long as it's, you know, good for the game and good for the players and the fans, et cetera. Yeah, one of my mentors uh, who was known as a quite, a, you know, a, a verbal, shall we say, football coach, Australian football, he, they ended up doing a survey where they interviewed, you know, the team and his number one piece of feedback for him, area for development, that he didn't listen. He doesn't listen. They were like, he doesn't listen to us. So he ended up receiving that feedback and doing, you know, really changing the culture. And one of the first coaches to have like little subcommittee coaches almost, um, which was pretty cool back in the sort of the mid nineties. So what about who's had, uh, who's a mentor of yours that's had a big influence and, and why? Yeah, I, I think about um, a boss that I had in the corporate world, and she was just such a special person and still is to this day. We still stay in touch, um, and uh, I view her as a mentor for a few reasons. I mean, she just a, a critical piece in my success at the credit union that I worked in, and just her belief in me. Um, was uh was just so i think like perfectly handed off if if you will or perfectly kind of presented to me like her support was it was a it was just enough of you know like 
I'm going to support you, but I'm also not going to hold your hand through this. And like, you can do it. So like anytime I would come to her with a question, she'd ask me the question right back. Like, well, what do you think? Right. And like, little did I know at that time, that was really just kind of boosting my confidence and helping me tap into, you know, my uh, individuality and what I had to offer. Um, and just her, her passion for doing the right thing and for just being kind to people and putting more love into the world and into our workplaces and, you know, adding more value to people's lives. I mean, that's uh, all stuff that was very inspirational to me and things I hope to continue, you know, bringing to my coaching. Sounds like a great leader as well. So speaking of leadership, what what does self-leadership coach mean? Yeah, I, uh, so I'm, a, I'm certified in something called axiogenics, and um, it's uh, the program we take people through, um, through that certification is called self-leadership one, two, three. And the whole idea is that, you know, the most effective leaders actually lead themselves well first. Um, so, and you can only influence so much externally when uh you're not necessarily in touch with who you are and like what you want to achieve and why, et cetera. So um, that's what I mean by self-leadership is like kind of how are you leading yourself? Because ultimately the quality of, you know, your leadership, your life, your relationships are going to matter on how you're leading yourself through them, right? And then you can influence, of course, influence stuff around you, but the better you're leading yourself, likely the more impactful your influence is going to be externally. Which is leads back into what you were talking about earlier to know your your passion and know your purpose mm-hmm. and if you have a hopeful outcome of knowing what that's going to be it's going to be easier to bring others on board with with your mission as well um yeah fantastic so you'd strike me as a bit of a stats man and is is that is that stereotypical of introverts i don't know like I mean, some, depending on kind of the rest of your, your MBTI makeup. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so much on that side. I'm more, I'm an INFP. So I'm like kind of more big picture, like, uh, you know, kind of what uh, values are associated, et cetera. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm an ENFP, by the way. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need to, to catch up beyond the podcast out for sure. Um, so with that in mind, you know, what are some of the things that are on your mind? Like, what are you thinking about at the moment that sort of maybe it's troubling you or challenging you that you're seeing with your clients as well? And if there was any stats around that, you know, about leaders today or anything that comes to mind that you, any pearls of wisdom you could share with us? Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have any like stats directly associated with like my clients um, outside of what we talked about earlier about, you know, when I'm able to actually give clients the assessment that I give them, we're able to actually measure their their thinking, right? And like which ways of thinking are either getting in the way of what they want to achieve and maybe causing a little more tension and uh, a path of more resistance. And I'm also able to give them um, their they're thinking assets. So they're ways of thinking that are helpful and actually scientifically validated to put more value into the world. Um, so 
throughout that process, that stat we talked about earlier, that 90% of, you know, our thoughts are at the subconscious or habitual level um, is a big eye-opener uh, for clients. And um, I think a, a consistent kind of thread that I see with the people I'm working with is, um, one, the stress and kind of how to manage it, the overthinking that kind of stems from the stress. And then um, kind of the, the third part of that is kind of feeling stuck, right? It's like, I feel like they kind of all come together as I'm working with clients. So really just helping them understand what's the root of the stress and addressing that. And then what's the cost, right? Of like kind of going back to that route and staying down that path. I mean, if you want something to change, like you have to change. Mm. I was getting there and of course with compassion and right timing and all of that good stuff. But um, yeah, I'd say statistically, you know, we see a lot of, so there's a thinking, um, there's a thinking uh, perspective. So the, the, asset, the, the list that I'm able to give people, or I'm sorry, the assessment I'm able to give people is called the VQ assessment. And we're able to measure 36 different thinking perspectives. So the one we see the most is being at peace. And we see that one being like really overvalued, meaning that people really want things to be the way they want them to be. And when they're not, that's when a lot of stress kind of happens into their life. Um, so just having some awareness around that, that thinking uh, bias can be um, really, really just helpful um, in, as far as like kind of making some changes that will help you achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, sort of get out of your own way, isn't it? Yeah, I can I can relate to that. I love, you know, you, I do love it when everything's peaceful and everyone's getting along, but then also I value diversity and <laughs> so I like different opinions, but then I want everyone to, to be happy and get along as an ENFP, which I'm sure as an INFP. Uh, as an INFP, you can relate to that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right. So let's uh, let's wrap it up with you're in this corporate world and you're going, things sounds like things are going along well, and then you became a coach. Why did you become a coach? Um, while I was in my cor corporate role, so I have a master's in communication and leadership. One of the assignments was to find a leadership podcast and write a paper that kind of connected, you know, like the takeaways from the podcast to the, the theories and stuff we were learning about, you know, in, our, in, um, in my master's curriculum. And I found a, a podcast called The Look and Sound of Leadership. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, um, but it's a, an executive coach who basically narrates his conversations with his clients. And the more I listened to it, the more I kind of realized I was like naturally doing some of the things that he was doing with his clients so kind of being the things I've mentioned earlier just being present listening really well asking good timely questions and just holding space for people um, so that encouraged me to go down the path of looking into like what coaching was and so I actually emailed him like the podcast host and uh, he got back to me and let me interview them. So I learned all about the ICF and uh, going down that path and signed up with Coach U to get my, my coaching training done and um, ended up hiring a coach to kind of 
discover more about the process and you know kind of figure out if this was my my path because it really does it feels like a calling and I truly believe it is um so that um kind of brought me to I guess last November where I left my corporate role and uh, took the took the dive into starting the coaching practice and it's been incredible and um that was a, I would say that one-on-one -on -one time I did have with my team members when I was in the corporate space, like that was when I felt most alive and most connected and most um, helpful, honestly, uh, for, for others. Um, so that's kind of the, the journey uh, that brought me to today. Well, on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure to be present with you and listening to your story and parts of your journey. And of course, the value of asking questions at the right time beyond the surface level is definitely uh, a key takeaway from this episode. So Jordan, thank you. And so much more, by the way, so much more. I feel like we could easily, right? We're just, dig, we're just scratching the surface with my introvert friend here. <laughs> um, but uh, unfortunately we're out of time, but thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much again for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Paperbell, an online tool to power your coaching business.